If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Psalm 1. I'll read it in just a minute. During the age of smartphones, it is almost impossible to get lost. On most days, the extent of our frustration with getting lost is our phone failing to know which way our car is pointed. And we think that we've turned out onto the road the right way, and really we have to turn around. But that's pretty much as bad as it gets. We almost always know where we are, at least until our cell phones run out of power. We know what road we are on. Discerning which spiritual road we are on can be more difficult. The end of Psalm 1 presents two roads, two ways. It says in Psalm 1, verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. One road is known by God, but the way of the wicked, which ends in destruction, is a complete loss. Recently, my family had the blessing of driving around Big Sur. It's my first time seeing that just most amazing, beautiful uh, uh, land, that country there. We passed over one of the most photographed bridges in the United States, and I'm sure some of you have driven across it, the Bixby Creek Bridge. If you surf for the Bixby Creek Bridge, you'll see some beautiful, stunning photos. It's 260 feet high. It's an a, a, a arch bridge. Imagine if unknown to us, an earthquake had shaken that bridge so hard it, it, it collapsed before we got to it. And we didn't know as we go around the Big Sur and Pacific Coast Highway. Imagine that one of those famous Big Sur fogs had just rolled in. And what we don't know is that the edge of the Pacific Coast Highway is awkwardly jutting out over that canyon with nothing in front of it, kind of as a pier is over the water. Unless someone were there warning us, we wouldn't know that this portion of the Pacific Coast Highway would end in destruction. The first awareness of our perishing would be the terrifying flop in our stomach as gravity take hold of our van, and we have a few terrified seconds. But then it would be too late. In God's grace this morning, it is not too late for you to examine whether you are on the way that will perish, the road that ends in certain destruction, or to know if you are on the other road, described by the psalmist, not by where it ends, but as the road known by the Lord. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The word known in Hebrew can mean more than intellectual knowledge. The same word is used at the end of Exodus 2, 24 to 25. And to set up the context there, it is when God's people in Israel being enslaved by Egypt and suffering, cry out to God. And then it says this in Exodus 2, 24 to 25. And it's kind of a, 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 a narrative way of describing God's, God's response. It's not that, that God had forgotten or God didn't know. I'll read it. Exodus 2, 24 to 25. And God heard their groaning, the, the Israelite slaves. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And then it just says... 
and God knew. The idea of knowing there is not that God learned something new, but that God was intimately aware of Israel's suffering, that God was watching over them. For God to know the way of the righteous means that he is always attentive, that he is affectionately aware, and that he is consistently caring for them throughout life and into eternity. That's the blessing of God knowing the way of the righteous. But how do you know which road you are on this morning? Are you on the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked? Now, probably not many of you feel comfortable saying that you are wicked. Perhaps that's too strong of a word to describe you. And perhaps more of you would feel comfortable that you are saying righteous. And probably all of you would say, well, I'm not perfectly righteous, of course. But if, but if you're someone who's been around church for a while, if you're someone who says that they believe in Jesus then you might be comfortable saying I'm righteous. I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's been declared righteous through my faith in Jesus Christ. And that may be true of you. But yet the psalmist describes the righteous in a different way. He gives a different test. It's, it's not a test of what, of what they believe or of who they've placed their faith in. It is a test of what they reject and of what they delight in, by what they abstain from, and by what they choose, by what they've left, and by what they love. It's a different kind of test. It's not just a, a, a doctrinal test. It's, it's, it's not a belief test. It's not a faith test, although we'll see that the person who does delight in God's word does truly believe that God is satisfying, has put their hope in God, but he, he gives a test of affection. This morning in Psalm 1, we're going to ask ourselves two questions so that you can choose the way of the righteous. We're going to ask ourselves two questions, and the first question, and really they're both pretty simple, is which road am I on? And I think that the psalmist phrases this, this question in, in such a way, or forces us to ask this question in such a way, that we'll probably all be paused. Which road am I on? The second question is, where does this road lead? For some of you, choosing the way of the righteous will be continuing as you have been, and that's a mark of God's grace in your life. That you've already been diligently guarding your heart and you'll, you'll, you'll find your resolve strengthened this morning to continue in your affection for God's word. For some of you, choosing the way of the righteous will mean repenting. Maybe repenting from, from laziness or, 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 or from a fear that's keeping you from, from a total obedience or fear of maybe what you would miss out if you, com if you completely threw yourself in to delighting in, in God's way. Maybe you'll be repenting of just a complaining attitude or, or a lack of faith. Whatever that's keeping you from enjoying this life as a blessed person. For some of you, choosing the way of the righteous will be getting off the way of the wicked and getting on the way of the righteous for the first time. It'll be realizing that the road you're currently on will lead you to destruction. 
So hopefully I'll be there kind of with some of those uh, 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 red lights that, 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 that the air traffic control people use to flag down the plane. And I'll be able to point you the way you should go, that you won't head over that bridge that's out. I'm going to read Psalm 1. I'll be reading from ESV this morning, mostly because that's the way I've memorized it. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we ask God that you would help us to do heart work. You would help us to examine with, 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 with fresh eyes, Lord, eyes eager to be encouraged, but also eyes eager to be rebuked, Lord, if need be. And you would help us to examine which road we are on. And if we're on the way of the righteous, Lord, may we indeed be encouraged. And I pray, Father, that if we find ourselves on the way of the wicked or maybe flirting with it, Lord, that we would take warning and that we would repent. Please, Father, use your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at that first question we're going to ask ourselves. Uh, verses 1 and 2, which road am I on currently? Which road am I currently on? Verse 1 begins, blessed is the man. Now, commentators are divided whether that word blessed could be, tra- could be translated happy. And some commentaries find that that's, that that's a great alternative uh, a word, and, of, and, and others say it's, it's, it's not quite right. And uh, if you are an ESV Bible reader, uh, uh, I remember when, when, when I was growing up uh, uh, hearing people say, oh, that happy isn't in, in God's word. Well, it is a couple times in the ESV, and it's this word, blessed. And, and, and uh, listen to, to, to what the Queen of Sheba, uh, how she praises Solomon in 1 Kings 10, verse 8. Happy are your men. She's saying this to Solomon. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. And that happy there is the same word blessed. The queen of Sheba sees Solomon's servants as as happy, as blessed, because they get to be in Solomon's presence, because they get to hear uh, King Solomon's wisdom. Someone is blessed who experiences a relationship with God, who gets to be in God's presence, who has this relationship with God established by God's covenant-making grace. It's a relationship in which God keeps his promises as we love and obey him. And that's what it means to be in this covenant relationship with God. This side of the cross, we are in, who have believed in Jesus Christ, in a new covenant uh, relationship with God. It's only found in the person of Christ. The blessed man who's put their faith in Christ has God's commitment to them for their good. And their response to God's promise of blessing is to completely cast themselves on Christ as their only hope. They believe in him and they commit to obeying him. 
That's what it means to be blessed by God, to be in this covenant relationship with God. We talked about some of that last week in Psalm 13. God's favor, God's blessing enables those in this covenant relationship with him to experience joy, to experience hope, to experience peace, to experience the confidence of a right relationship with God. Those who are in that covenant relationship with God are truly blessed even though they don't always feel happy. Now, most often, the more we recognize the greatness of God's grace toward us, and the more we, we willingly embrace our responsibility of obedience to Him, the more we enjoy being blessed by God. The more we enjoy, the more happiness we enjoy, even in the midst of suffering. Maybe not giddiness, but, but true joy. Those blessed by God can anticipate God eternally fulfilling every promise to them. And that's what it means to be blessed, that we know that God is going to keep his covenant promises to us. So then who are these blessed? Who does this psalm say is blessed? Who are on the way of the righteous? And really it's describing, it's described as the way of the righteous at the end of the psalm. It begins by describing them as blessed. Well, verse 1 begins by describing them by these righteous, by what they reject. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, it says. The word wicked refers to those um, who do what is wrong in God's sight, who are guilty of breaking God's law. In English, the word wicked is a strong word, and, 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 I th- and I think increasingly becomes stronger. It's used for villains, like wicked witches. It's used for criminals. Oh, that's a really wicked person. That, 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 that person belongs to be in jail. They're wicked. Or, 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 or someone who's, who, whose behavior you've been shocked by. Maybe some of you might let out something like that wicked child. But the wicked also includes churchgoers. And some commentators prefer to translate this word as, as, as the ungodly. The ungodly are those, the wicked are those who aren't God-centered and who really aren't God-compliant. They may be nice people. They may be good people. They may be neighbors. But deep down, they are living independent of God. They are doing life their way. They they live with a disregard of God. His commands are optional. This this is what the, the, the wicked, the ungodly are like. It says, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That verb, walk, has the idea of their lifestyle. The blessed are those who don't pattern their lives according to the advice of the wicked whether on moral issues or ethical issues. When they want to be godly citizens and godly workers in their jobs, when the blessed want to be godly spenders and godly savers, when they want to be godly children and godly parents, when they want to please God as spouses or as single, they go to God's word and not to the godless. They get their trail guides to navigate life's responsibilities from God's word. And not from secular podcasts, not from blogs, not from advice columns. They go to God's word when they want to go on these 
difficult trails of pleasing God. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, neither do they stand in the way of sinners. The word sinners here refers to those who, who, who miss the mark, who, who don't match up to the expectation of God's law. Now, maybe they do that on purpose, or maybe they just don't know, but, 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 they, but they fall short. If life were a race, sinners are those who, consistently, who are consistently disqualified for not competing according to God's rules. They, 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 they're just not playing by God's laws. To stand, it says that the, that the blessed are those who do not stand in the way of sinners. To stand, it's, it's to, uh, to pause there. To, 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 to take up your position with them. The way of sinners is the course of life. It is how they live. It's kind of like when you're walking down, down the uh, street and you see a garage sale in someone's front yard. And something there catches your attention. You, 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 you see a glimmer of something. It looks promising. And, 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 and so you take your stand in their front yard. It's, it's not your home, but something's got your attention. You're standing in the way of sinners. It's, 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 it's gone beyond from just kind of like, oh, something you heard and some advice you're taking. You're starting to linger there. The stand of the way of sinners is more than skimming a magazine for advice. It's metaphorically like standing in line to get to see a movie that you know that you as a Christian have no part seeing. It's standing in line with those doing what they shouldn't do. It takes a little bit more, more, more willingness and a commitment to buy in. You're, you're, you're willing to buy a ticket. The blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, nor do they sit in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers are those who mock the truth of God's word. They mock the righteousness of God's standard. They, they, they scoff at it. They, they ridicule the righteous. They seek to tear down the righteous with their speech. They're, they're verbal about it. They are those who metaphorically seek to throw stones through church windows and, and burn down church buildings. They are eager to, to expose the hypocrisy of Christians. They are eager to demonstrate how they are, are intellectually superior over the simple-minded Christians. They are eager to, to enlighten others about how archaic God's word is. That's what scoffers do. To sit in the seat of scoffers means to be identified then. And, 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 and seat can mean a dwelling place. You're at, you've become at home with scoffers. You enjoy hanging out with them. They're your good friends. You kind of look a lot like them. You fit right in. You're, you're, you're metaphorically, you're, you're comfortable on their couch. Perhaps you've justified you're, 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 you're hanging out with them because it kind of makes you feel like a prophet. Someone who exposes the, 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 the self-righteousness of saints. 
But really, you're just picking up stones with God's enemies to throw at God's people. With these three phrases, there's a downward spiral from, from walking to standing to sitting. And the psalmist describes those who are in the process of of becoming comfortable with wickedness, who are increasingly influenced by it, and who are eventually at home with those who are deeply and resolutely anti-God of the universe. What started off as maybe a, a cautious taste you know, you kind of take a sniff, becomes a, 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 a intrigued bite. And then it becomes a meal devoured. You begin by bending your, your, your ear towards something that hears interesting, and pretty soon you're, you're lingering as you listen. And finally, you've become part of the band. And this, and this progression here implies a warning. Taking counsel from the godless may end up, it doesn't have, doesn't always, but it may end up in your attacking God and his people. Please don't think that won't happen to you. It's why the psalmist starts off with walking in the counsel of the wicked. It's where it starts. It starts with with, with secular blogs and TV shows and radio pundits. It's where it starts and it ends up attacking God's word. But the way of the righteous is not the way of the of the ah of the omnivore. The righteous are not like a raccoon who rummages through trash cans looking for something tasty. Finding a way, something that they can redeem from this pile of garbage. The righteous are, are not those who listen. The righteous are not to listen when the wicked are, are passing around advice, kind of like when you go to a, a, a dinner party and their servers uh, with trays. The righteous are not to go around and look for, oh, a tasty bit here. Oh, there's something tasty about dating. Oh, that parenting bite looks appetizing. Oh, look at this kind of useful bit. It's covered in, in the slime of wickedness, but I can clean it off and redeem it. That is not what the blessed man does. Verse 2 identifies the blessed by what they love. But his delight, and but his delight, there's a strong contrast there, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And the word translated law means instruction. And and it could refer to a single law or, 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 or to a collection of laws. It can refer to the, 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 uh, ten, to the Ten Commandments. It can refer to the book of Deuteronomy, to, to the first five books of the Old Testament. And we, we know them by this Jewish word Torah, law or instruction here. It could refer to all of God's law he, he gave to Israel. And it could refer to all of God's word in general. 
The word is, is broad enough to refer to all of those things, and we really shouldn't limit it. Perhaps it is best to think about it here as to refer to all of God's word, to all of, of, of the way that God has revealed himself in Scripture. The blessed man is the one who delights in God's word and the law of the Lord. Now, it is fascinating that, 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 that this psalm comes first, and the compiler of the psalms puts this psalm first in, in, in these 150 psalms first, not, not just to call the reader to look backwards to, to, to earlier scripture, but also to prepare the readers for the inspired songs collected in this volume of 150 psalms. The blessed man is the one who, 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 yes, thinks about the commandments that God gave at Sinai, but also the one who values these songs. And, and really, it's fascinating that, he, that, that, that the psalmist puts it here. Because these, the, these psalms are songs which praise God, and we know that. But they're also psalms that process suffering. There's, they're, there's, they're, they're psalms that, 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 that talk about how the righteous are oppressed by the wicked. There are psalms that talk about longing for God's king to be returned to earth for that future David. So the psalmist puts this psalm here first, saying, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord in all of his commands, but also in the instruction of this psalm, in the, in the instruction of these 150 songs. The righteous are those who delight in God's word who take pleasure in God's word. Now, this is more than an a academic pleasure of like, wow, well, this is an interesting problem here. It, it, is, it is more than, than artistic enthusiasm. They take delight in God's perfections. And in God's perfections revealed in God's actions, in God's perfections captured in God's word, in God's perfections communicated through, through his commands, they want God as revealed in his word, and they delight in who God is and how he makes himself known, and even God's expect, expectations, even when they are humbled by them, even when they are crushed by their own sinfulness, that they love God's word because it shows how holy God is, and they point them to, to, to the salvation they can have in Christ. They delight in God's word. That is what the righteous are like. That is what the blessed are like. They delight in God's word. The righteous are like looters. Yes, the righteous are like looters who stumble across an unguarded jewelry store, and there's no one there. The righteous are like those who run in and stuff their pockets with the precious jewels of God's word. Psalm 119 verse 72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. God, I, your, your, your word is better to me than, than, than precious jewels. This is what I want. Let me go and fill my pockets with your bling. The righteous are like kids in a sweet factory. You, you, you know those candy stores uh, that are like horribly expensive, right? And you tell your kids you can have four pieces because you know it's going to be, it's, it's like, I don't know, 20 I don't know how many bucks a pound it is, but it's crazy, right? It's okay when you're dating someone, but you don't take your kids there. The righteous are like kids in a sweet factory store told you can stuff your bags. And that's how the righteous feel about God's word. 
Psalm 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. See, that God's word, we can fill our bags with it. And it's delicious to the righteous. The blessed love it. Psalm 119 verse 47 says, For I find my delight in your commandments which I love. Give me more, God. Uh, 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 on a, on a Saturday morning in, in our house, the, the, the kids get to have the sugary kind of cereal. And I don't know what your favorite of those is, like Lucky Charms or whatever. You're, you're, that, that enthusiasm of a child getting up to, to, to pour out that first and maybe a second bowl of Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch, that should be our enthusiasm to go to God's Word. We delight in it. And we, we know in still the sinful flesh, it doesn't always have that same kind of enthusiasm, but we go with that commitment. This is better than jewels. This is, this is tastier than a Reese cup. Now, that doesn't mean that appreciating the value of God's word and responding appropriately is always easy. It says, on his law, he meditates day and night. To meditate means to, to mutter over or to mumble to, to, to oneself. It can mean to, to plot or even to plot against. It's, it's like someone who's, who's solving a, a, a problem, uh, who's, who's even scheming. You're, 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 you're pondering, you're solving. See, the righteous chew on God's word like a, a, a kid chews on, on gum or on a piece of taffy. The righteous examine God's word the way that a coffee lover who, who buys an expensive pound of coffee and on it it says, has a taste of, I don't know, like, like chocolate and lemon zest and a bit of dirt of South America. And you, you take that first sip of coffee and you're like, oh, I, I sense chocolate. Maybe, right? It, you, you, you examine, you want to get everything out of this, this cup of coffee, every, every, every nuance from it. That is what the righteous do when they meditate on God's word. They want, they want to get everything in out of it. The righteous apply God's word like, 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 like someone who is obsessed with solving a Rubik's Cube. And they won't go online to watch a YouTube video. They're going to do it on their own. And so they, so they look at one side and they look at another. And they're like, well, God's word says this over here. And it says this over here. How, how do I get these two sides to, to match up? I know that they're both true. That is what the righteous do as they meditate. They they. they, they, they they take one of God's commands and what does he mean? How, how does he want me to apply this? Now this is meditation, not just for the purpose of understanding, but for the purpose of understanding that becomes prayer. And for the purpose of understanding that becomes prayer that becomes self-counseling. And sometimes that is to encourage ourselves, that is sometimes to exhort ourselves, sometimes we know we need to be rebuked. It is meditating that becomes understanding, that becomes prayer, that becomes self-counseling, and that becomes life change. It becomes obedience. This is what the blessed man does. Meditation, it says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. 
He is occupied by it. It's not that, that, that he meditates in scripture, that that's his only thought, but that that is his retreating thought. It's what he keeps coming back to. And I don't know if they sell them anymore. They're probably too, too, too dangerous. When I was a kid, they had the paddles with, 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 with a strip of rubber band and, 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 the, and the ball on one end. And, and every time you hit it, well, at least ideally, the, the, the ball was going to come back. And eventually it does, right? That is how the righteous are with God's word. They, 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 they meditate on it. It keeps bouncing back. And that is this ongoing communion they have with God in his word, and it keeps bouncing back all day long. Blessed is the man who walks not on the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Which road are you currently on? Describing two kinds of people. And we see them in verse 6. There's two kinds of ways. The way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. It's a very different question than, 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 than what do you believe about Jesus Christ? It's a very different question. This, this, this is more like what, what Jesus does in, 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 in Matthew 7. And really he, he has a multiple of contrast there. This is like what Jesus does when he... Contrast the two kinds of builders. One builds on sand, another on rock. The one, the one who builds on rock is the one who hears and obeys. Jesus doesn't specifically say there, and the one who puts their faith in me. He's asking a really tough question, which one are you? And that's what this psalm does. Which one are you? Are you on the way of the righteous, or are you on the way of the wicked? Are you growing in your delight of God's word? Or are you, are, are you increasingly at home in the worldview of the wicked? What has your last month shown? Or maybe the last six months or the last year? Are you meditating on God's word or meandering among the wicked? Are you delighting in God's word or are you dallying in the sinner's way? Are you saturated with truth or are you seated with scoffers? What road are you on? And this is a test to analyze whether we are righteous or wicked. We could pause here for a long time. And I trust by God's grace this, this, this psalm will be part of your meditating in the upcoming week. And you can ask yourself that question. Because it's an important question. It leads to our second question. Where will this road I'm on take me? So first you have to ask, what road am I on? Am I on the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked? And the second question is, what, where will this road I'm on take me? We see that in verses 3 through 5. First, he describes where the way of the righteous leads. The righteous are guaranteed teed success in verse 3. In Psalm 1-3 it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither. The streams of water here are most likely artificial water channels. These are, are, are man-made streams for the purpose of, of irrigating. And it's interesting, there's multiple streams here, it's plural. If, 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 if one fails, there's a backup stream. 
the tree has been intentionally planted. It says it's like a tree planted by streams of water, just in a, by chance grow up. It's been planted, and whether, and whether from, from, from seed or transplanted there, and that tree has been intentionally planted where there is the best conditions for growth. At that appropriate time in its season, that tree will grow fruit. Its leaves will never be scorched. It will never be shriveled by the sun. No matter how hot it gets, no matter how much suffering that tree goes through, it will not die. It will yield fruit in its season. Then the psalmist says, in all that he does, he prospers. It's really a fascinating description of the way of the righteous in a book where there is so much suffering. If you read through Psalm, there is a lot of suffering and a lot of crying out over confusion about suffering, especially suffering at the hands of the righteous from the wicked. So he encourages them. Yeah, I know you're going to read a lot. I know, you, I know you've experienced a lot of suffering. In all that he does, he prospers. This blessed man, this righteous man. Now, this is often uh, the, the, the pattern of life in God's world when we listen to God's word. We do experience success in many ways, in, in friendships, in, in, in parenting, in business. But sometimes that success is not obvious. Instead, what you see is a ton of suffering. You've obeyed God's word, but nothing seems to be going right. Even the saint who suffers the most in this life will ultimately prosper. In all that they do in conformity with God's will, they will prosper. God will bring their suffering to a successful end. Jeremiah prospered in all that he did. The Apostle Paul in his obedience prospered in all that he did. And no one exemplifies this than, than the sinless Son of Man, Jesus Christ who suffered immensely and yet had success in all that he did. Their success was unlimited, really, in accordance with God's timing, with fruit in its season. And uh, really, it's the fruit that we are still bearing even, we, 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 we are the recipients even now. The righteousness in our life is the work of Christ's own righteousness. See, prospering, and this idea of prospering requires an, an eternally minded evaluation that yes, this is a fallen world and, 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 and that not all our success is obvious on the front end, but it will be eternally obvious. The one who would prosper in all that he does must meditate on Jesus' commands. He must meditate on what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to pick up my cross and follow? What does it mean to lose my life? And they have to take Jesus' commands seriously, being a disciple seriously. This is what the blessed man does. He is the one who prospers, but not so the wicked. And Verses 4 and 5 describes where the way of, of, of the wicked leads, what, what that destination is. We see the futility of the wicked in verse 4. The wicked are not so, 
but are like chaff that the wind drives away. In contrast to the certain success of the righteous, the wicked are like chaff, and chaff is, 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 is the husk of a grain, and, and, and we can eat the grain like corn or wheat, but, but, but we can't eat that, 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 that husk. It's, it's garbage. And to separate the chaff from the grain... That seed had to be pulverized first, and whether it was trampled by animals or, 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 or beaten with a sledge, and then it would be winnowed, and, 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 and the combination, that pile of, of, of seed and that husk would be tossed into the air, and the edible seed would, be, would fall to the ground where eventually it could, be, it, it could be swept up into a pile and kept, but that chaff would be carried off by the wind. This word chaff for the wicked is not a flattering word. It's, this is not a sugar-coated word. The wicked are those who ignore God's law. They are fleeting and their lives are futile. They do not have purpose in their life. Without a desire to please God, with, without a delight in His word, they produce nothing of value. Nothing. They are just dust in the wind. We see more the, the, the verdict of the wicked here against them. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the, in, in the congregation of the righteous. When God judges the wicked, when they are called into his courtroom, they will not be able to stand. The lawbreakers will be pronounced guilty. They're not going to endure this trial. And God will not show favoritism to you based on your political party, based on your ethnicity, based on your theological persuasion, based on whether you grew up in a Christian home. Those who lived independently of God, the wicked will be sentenced by God. The wicked will not have a permanent eternal place among God's people. The, the, which is called the, 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 the congregation of the righteous, made up of those who are righteous, who do what God requires, whose lives corroborate what God's commands say, or correlate with God's commands. Heaven will, be, will not be for the home, will not be the home of those who do not delight in God's word. Heaven is the home of those who delight in God's word. Hell is the eternal torture of those who do not delight in his word. They are excluded from God's kingdom. They are sent outside, as Jesus often said, where there is darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. As the fog of self-righteousness lifts, the wicked will see with clarity that they were always on a road that the, that the bridge was out on. And they felt good. But they were wicked. They, they didn't have an appetite for God. They didn't love him in his word. If you were to die today, what would your destination be? Have you been on God's road, the way of the righteous, or on the way of wickedness? And that's what Psalm 6 says as he summarizes. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And here is a moment of decision. There is that, that, that metaphorical fork in the road you need to choose. 
And the psalmist presents his closing arguments for you should choose the way of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And this is the, 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 the first time in the psalm where it says what God does. Although, of course, you know, God is present. The righteous are those who are conformed to God's standard. The righteous are those for whom obedience to God's command has become the pattern of their life. The word righteous means that they are concerned about pleasing God. They, They think over instructions. They live in his presence. The righteous are not those who are perfectly innocent. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. But as those who are characterized by heartfelt, willing commitment and, and, and practice of obedience. They are like, 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 like saints in scripture, like, 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 like Boaz and, 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 and Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were the righteous people. To be righteous is to be word-loving. It is to be word-meditating. And it is to be word Word so, so submitting. And really, what he's describing here is the sanctification of one who is in a right relationship with God. As he's describing righteous, his primary focus is not that they've been justified by God, that they've come with an understanding of their sin and they put their hope in God, the only one who could save them. And this side of the cross, we know that our hope can only be in Jesus Christ. We're not talking about the anchor of our hope, but the evidence of being declared righteous, which is a righteous life. Are you righteous? Are you characterized by obedience to God's law? Are you the blessed who love, on, who love God's law and delight in it and meditate on it? And Psalmist says, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, those who perish are not known by God. He knows everything about them. He knows their every breath, their every thought, but he doesn't have that affectionate care he has for those who are his elect for those who me saves, for those who are righteous. Luke 13, verse 27 to 28, Jesus says, But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. I do not know you. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And that is a danger for you listening today if you are not the righteous, if you are not that blessed man. It is you who will be cast out. But it's not too late. All of us begin life on this way of this uh, wicked and in and, and, and the path of sinners and, and in the seat of scoffers. As we put our, as God reveals our sin, and maybe that's what he's doing to you now. He's revealing that you're on the way of the wicked. As, as you realize that you're going down 65 miles an hour on the Pacific Coast Highway and that bridge is out and you're going to plummet to eternal destruction, don't just say, oh, well, I must be doomed. No, there is a Savior in Jesus Christ. He took the sin of sinners so that you could put your faith in Him and be declared righteous by God. And when He declares you righteous, He changes you so that you have this new appetite, so that you are those who delight in His law. And you meditate on His law. And you choose to live righteously. There is hope for you. Do not say, oh, I'm condemned, I'm just going to keep driving along. 
If, if by God's grace that fog is lifting and you're starting to see, whoa, this road leads to destruction, turn to Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't have a wasted life. Don't become eternal chaff. See, the wicked are those who, even listening now, have a disregard for God's law. They are guilty in rejecting God's standards. They've tasted his word, and they shake his head and say, you know, I don't get it. It doesn't do anything for me. To perish is to have life wasted. To suffer destruction at the hand of the one who created you. Are you on the way of the righteous or are you on the way of the wicked? Will your road end abruptly at a missing bridge? Or are you someone, and this is how the psalmist describes it, he doesn't say the content of your faith. He says, or are you someone who meditates on God's word day and night? Are you that blessed man? Is that your delight? And that's why I, I, I love this. It leaves us with a tough question. It doesn't say what is your, your, your doctrinal statement. But what is your delight? Years, uh, years ago, my wife and I, well, well, while I was in seminary, we're driving on the east side of, 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 the, of, the, of the San Fernando Valley in a place we, we kind of have visited many times but kind of ha- had a habit of, of, of getting lost. Well, this is, year, this is year, years before cell phones. And once again, we were lost, although... I had looked at a map beforehand, and I had chosen that I was going to go a different way. So when my wife started to expressing concern about what road we're on, I confidently said, we're going a different way. And uh, uh, that has lasted now for probably close to, you know, 18 years. We're going a different way. In your pride, don't cling to a different way. There are only two ways to live. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Which road are you on? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving us this psalm, uh, the blessing here, the promise of being that person in that right relationship with you, that covenant relationship with you is sweet. And everything he does, he prospers. Ultimate and eternal blessing, enjoyment forever, forever flourishing, not just in this life, uh, but in eternity. Father, I pray for your people. I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful uh, to be those who delight in your law, and who meditate on it. I pray, Father, for those of us who have begun to to dally in the advice of the wicked or maybe even have taken seat with the scoffers, Lord, that we would be warned, we would get back on and thoroughly embrace um, the way of the righteous. Lord, but I also pray for those um, who this morning are on the way of the wicked. God, I pray that you would do something new in their hearts and that your word would be newly intriguing, that these warnings would become newly serious, that the thought of becoming chaff in the wind would just be so horrible, that it would drive them first to your son, 
so that they could have their sins forgiven, that they could have new life, a new appetite, and new desires. And then, Lord, may they know the blessing of delighting in your word and meditating on it. Father, may that be true of your people. May uh, Please help us to ask good heart questions as we meditate on Psalm 1 this upcoming week. In Jesus' name, amen.